Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or you can watch it flowtrack.org slash Podcast. I'm Kevin. He is Gordon. And Gordon, we have some results from the first week of indoor track. First full week, I guess you could say, of indoor track in 2021. How excited are you to break down a fast 300-meter run? Well, here's the thing. There was only one more track meet than there were NFL wildcard games this weekend. Ooh, there were, interesting. There, was, oh, there, there were six NFL wildcard games, but there were seven mm-hmm. track meets. Now, typically on the, this past weekend, we probably would have like, what, like 20 to 30 track meets? So this mm-hmm. shows where we are right now in our sport where slim pickings. We only had seven meets. Two of them were in Kansas, two of them were in Iowa, one in North Dakota, one in Nebraska, and then one in South Carolina. Mm. You said Nebraska with such tenacity. I like yeah. it. You're getting after it this Monday morning. What was the highlight for you? Best performance? I mean, the, the, the only performance that actually was nationally like notable, which I tweeted out on uh, Saturday or Sunday. This mm-hmm. kid from Clemson ran a top 10 mark U.S. collegiate all-time. Not collegiate all-time. Collegiate all-time that are American. So it was number nine all-time, 32.97 from Taryn Conwell. He ran 32.97. He's a transfer from Mississippi State. Yeah, but 32 – I mean, a lot of times – this happens every year, right? Someone mm-hmm. goes That's out there, runs a fast, a fast 1K, 300, 600. And in this case, it's the man from Clemson, Taryn Conwell. What were your thoughts on I believe it'd be t- Well, I, I, I believe it's Terion Conwell. I'm not sure. Terion. I believe it's Terion Conwell. Uh, you're right. It's, it's something that we do every year. And it's usually from someone in the SEC or the ACC. So it keeps the tradition going. And things that make me feel like last year or the year before at this point, make me happy. So I'm very happy that Mr. Conwell ran fast in the 300. So that way we have some sense uh, of normalcy. Kind of weird situation, right? Transfers from Mississippi State now goes to Clemson, a program that's that's ending. I don't know how much eligibility he has left. I think he has at least two more seasons um, left uh, other than this one. Um, this one and then one more, I think, either indoor or outdoor. So um, yeah, w- weird, weird situation 
all around there. But the list you put together, Grant Holloway's on that list. You want to be on any list that Grant Holloway's on, I would think. And there's some other pretty established names on there. So good company for him. He hasn't really – he when he was at Mississippi State, it's not like he was making finals consistently in the SEC. So I think this is a big, big jump up for him. It might be someone that you keep an eye on, especially because we don't know how many opportunities people are going to have to run and get qualifying time. So if he's this fit right now, he could probably hop in a 400, hop in a 200 – and get a qualifier knocked out right away. Yeah, looking at his uh, his 400 PB while he was at Mississippi State, it's actually not that mm-hmm. fast. It's only 47.4. So, and his 200 PB is 20.99. So he hasn't put together any like top tier 200 or 400 times in his career. He has run a 10-300, which is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But – Looking at his times, it looks like he's more of a, a shorter guy, a shorter distance than a longer distance. Um, he's like your classic tweener, right? Where you're, mm-hmm. he's like the the Kaz Loxum of the six hundred, or the <laughs> you know the Ryan Hill of the three k. Where like you're really good at an event, but they just don't have it at the five k. You know mm-hmm. they don't have it at the main at the main event. So we'll see how he does in the four hundred or the two hundred later on in the season. Um, but it's a good start for the Clemson program, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Every time they run well, it's going to be a big LOL at their administration's face, right? And like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're super motivated every time they like. Normally, this would just been like any other meet, but now every meet that they run in is going to be super cherished because they could it could be their last one. So, um, is that for is Clemson. is is the track team doing well? More of an LOL than the football team falling flat on its face after uh, their coach talked a lot of crap to Ohio State. Which one's a bigger LOL in the Clemson world? Maybe we should get Ryan on to, to evaluate not this. A, we need a Clemson alum. I mean, the track community might not want to hear this, but I think the Clemson football team finishing fourth in the country is more impressive than a world lead in January. That's just me. But uh, Trevor oh, Lawrence is still yeah, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> no, I'm not saying they're not good. I'm, the NFL next year, I'm, so. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not they're not good. I'm just saying when your coach goes out and says that your opponent in the in the semifinals should shouldn't be a top ten team, isn't that what he said? Isn't that what Davos when he said something to that effect? He had him ranked somewhere lower. He kept voting them way down, and then they yeah. beat you, beat you soundly. Res- That's pretty embarrassing. Every, it's not embarrassing. You respect it. I mean, what do you want to do? You want to be like, oh, the team we're playing is so good. We love them so much. We think they're the best. Uh, you know what? We, we should just let them have the title championship win. Like, why are we even playing them? Because they're so good. Like, everyone wants everyone wants people to talk shit. And then when they – and so they can have this opportunity. I mean, it's like happened to Juju Smith-Schuster of Pittsburgh Steelers. He, entire season, has been doing, like, TikTok dances and – Everyone now is like using it as a mock against him because they just got blown out by Cleveland. But the jokes on the people because you, the people are the ones watching the TikTok dances. Like he's not forcing anyone to follow his memes and his dances and his sh- shenanigans. Wait, 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 wait. People wait, 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 want wait, wait, wait. that You're content, and then you're sorry. losing me. You, 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 you took it from Clemson indoor track to Juju Smith-Schuster doing TikTok dances. So you took it from something I knew a little bit about to something I know absolutely nothing about. So you're going to have to slow down um, 
and and fill me in here. All I'm saying, I'm not saying it's bad that he talks mess. I'm just saying it's embarrassing. I'm just saying it's embarrassing. That's the that's the whole point of it, right? Is is when you get it wrong, people call you out when you're wrong. Doesn't mean it's not entertaining. I'm just saying when you're talking about LOLs, that's an LOL because you're saying Ohio State's not worthy. He basically said Ohio State's not worthy to be in the playoff. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, oh, let's give him a hug and they're the best team ever. He said he said they shouldn't be in the playoff and they went and they beat the crap out of him. Now, I want to talk more about these TikTok dances. Why are people making fun of his TikTok dances? That's the important he's thing wide, here. He's a wide receiver from the Steelers who would always do these TikTok dances on the opposing team's logo pregame, right? Oh, and on the logo, on the logo. Okay, okay. They were 11-0. and 0. Steelers were 11-0, and 0, so everyone was like – thinking it was awesome, like, oh, look at his swag. And then they start losing, yeah. and then they're like, oh, you, how dare you? And then it's like mock him. It's like, I don't know. People, yeah, I don't know. It's just like. I joke, enjoy like, the trash the talk. It's sports. Yeah. Trash it's sports. Talk. It should be yeah, fun. Sports. I, I enjoy the trash talk. Yeah, it should be yeah. fun. Yeah, but I'm saying when it and, – and the fun part about it is sometimes there's accountability because then after when it happens, it's just – we have one rivalry right now. There should right be no accountability in trash talk. No, hold yeah. on. There should be no accountability in trash talk. Sure there should be. It's fun that way. When Chalimo no. and Lamong finally match up and one of them beats the other, you don't want to see a meme from one to the other making fun of them? That's what I'm talking about in terms of accountability. I'm just saying remembering who won and not just moving past it. And, and no, but they having fun at their expense. I say you penalize them. Who, I'm just saying you remember it. But the people who try to call out people who got trash talked to when they beat them, it's stupid because they're like, "Yeah, see, you shouldn't have used trash talk." It's like, no, they're gonna, they should have used trash talk. Trash talk is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And sometimes you lose. The idea that like because you lost, your trash talk was invalidated. Oh, yeah, no. It's bullshit. I'm no, not saying trash that. Talk no, 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 it's always validated because that's the game. We're playing a game. Yeah. We're having fun. Yeah. And we're not going to yeah. – you can't only have fun when you know the result's going to be a win. You can have fun whether you win or lose. Anyway. I'm not, no, 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 no. I agree with you. I agree, I, agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not saying the people should get on their high horse and be like, he lost because he wasn't focused on the game because he was too busy doing TikTok dances. That's silly. I don't believe that. All I'm saying is, like, if we take our one example in track and field, Chalimo and Lamong, you're going to enjoy it more. You're going to enjoy it more if – when they actually do face off, right? One wins, one loses, and then the other one does a little post calling back to last time that they met, right? That's what I mean in terms of accountability. Not just, oh, let's just move past it and forget that they they they, they had been critical of each other. That's all I'm saying. That's the yeah. final piece. That's what makes it that's what makes it fun, right? The Ohio State fans, and I'm not an Ohio State fan, but all the memes of Ohio State fans after Clemson was getting beat. That that's 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 fun too, right? That's part of it. That's fair play. That's that's the other side of it. If you're going to talk, in any event, congrats to Mr. Conwell, thirty-two ninety-seven. Gordon's highlight of the think, week. Do, do you, Should we brand the segment? That's Gordon's uh, highlight of the week. Yeah, sponsored by no one. Uh, do you think um, Miles Split's going to post an article of all the Alabama and because today's Monday, January eleventh. Uh, later tonight mm. is the college football championship game. Do you think we're going to see? Look at all the Alabama and Ohio State football players who ran track in high school. Mm. Well, do we're not doing it this year. We're not doing Unless it. Unless Lincoln, do Lincoln gets access to the. Do you think Lincoln's going to set a login and do it? 
Well, here's my thing about every time Miles Splitter Flowtrack tweet out an article about how these football players ran track. A and million a lot people of times, click on it. A million people click on it. But a lot of times we put the – be like, oh, the reason why these two teams – are in the championship game is because they have so many track athletes, which yeah, isn't yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Right. All the football teams have the same amount of track athletes. So it's people want to connect it like the football team's success is tied to track when no, they're just all football teams all t- are tied to track. It has nothing to do with yeah. the success. And the reason why is because they it is helpful. So once all the coaches realize it's helpful to have fast guys and strong guys, they just naturally are going to recruit people who ran track. It's just like, right. yeah, anyway. But we like to pretend that, like, Clemson and Notre Dame didn't have track guys. Like, they had track guys too. So anyway. <laughs> I'm more interested in the cross-country football list. Ooh. Who in the national championship game ran cross? That's what I, I want to know. I want to draw a connection. You're absolutely right. High school athletes, there's a finite amount at every high school. Really, really good athletes. And the coaches in those sports want to get those athletes to compete. So if they're really, really fast in football, the track coach, who may also be involved in the football program in some capacity, is going to try to talk that person into running a meet or two, maybe a whole season, maybe four whole seasons. But they're going to have a time in the database because they're a really good athlete. And they're going to want to go out there and run with their friends. I don't think it – yes, you're right. You're right. Everybody, Everybody's running track who's fast track has this this like and i say this to someone in track has a bit of an inferiority complex of just like trying to constantly like prove that we belong right of like see track's important you have to do it in order to be good at football it's like let's just stand on our own two feet here let's just say that track is great we love track track's important you can do other sports that's okay too but People running track and then being fast doesn't validate track's existence at all. We don't need football to be good. We don't need football to be fun. We don't need football to enjoy track and field. But somehow it's like looked through this warped prism. You know what else bothers me while we're on this topic? Do you want me to keep going? I got another thing that bothers me as it relates to football. Anytime a football player hurdles over another football player (laughs) on the football field – that's all I see on my timeline. And I'm trying to be on Twitter less. So I'm seeing it less and less. But there was a gentleman from Alabama who hurdled somebody in the semifinal game, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's all like, let's critique his form. Let's look at this. Like everything is looked at. It's like he's just jumping. Right? Track does not have track does not have a monopoly on people jumping over things. Right? They've done that in other sports for a very long time too. It's fun. I get it. I don't want to be the fun police and say you can't post about it, but it's just it's just annoying. It's just and it just goes on and on and on. I think Gordon's lost well, my audio there, now. There's a there's no there's a alarm clock going off. Hold on, let me turn it off. Okay, Gordon's gonna go to his alarm clock, and we're gonna we're gonna switch topics because I feel enough like an old man as is. So we're about the U.S. championships being canceled by USATF officially now this was of course an open secret pretty much gordon that usa indoors were going to be canceled oh, pandemic oh, and, and it didn't have a site no i moved on i moved on i i, okay. I did my old man thing i moved on i agree on. i agree with you though so they're just jumping it's it's all this it's just jumping I, and, I, and again i don't want i don't want to yeah i don't want to be the police here and say you can't have fun about this it's cool that you're having fun but it's like 
like, are they going to be like, man, look at this throw by Tom Brady? Kind of reminds me of the javelin where they also throw things. It's like, what? <laughs> it's a, it's an athletic skill that happens all the time. Anyway, U.S. indoors, your opinion. Canceled. Uh, makes sense. I bet it was canceled a long time ago, but it took uh, people in the media talking about it uh, to cancel it because I think they realize hey, this isn't happening. Um, hmm. I think that's even more of a reason for this. If there's no USA indoors, what is the benefit of an, an athlete, a pro athlete? This is college, hmm. though they have their championship. To even bother doing an indoor event. Like, what are you going to get out of it? Like, there's nothing. Like, your your goal now is being really good at the trials. So what does an indoor, like, 600 or, or indoor 60 going to do? For, I don't know. I just, like, go run an outdoor meet now. I feel like this mm-hmm. is an opportunity to be like, hey, let's extend our outdoor season to, to January at warm weather warm weather areas, you know, I don't know. We'll see what people do. But if I was a pro elite athlete, I would be canceling all my indoor meets and rescheduling them to outdoor meets that are happening in January or February. That's what I would be doing. I feel like we've been having the same conversation for several months now, as soon as it became clear that indoors was going to be unlikely and also that they could have outdoor meets during the winter time. And when you put the two side by side, it's no comparison for most people where your priorities are going to lay. I also saw that Armory's canceled their full slate of indoor meets. It's going to close for the winter. So there's just not that many opportunities and places to, to compete. And I think the places and the venues that do open are going to be for college athletes first and foremost. Yeah. So what's the, What's the desire? What's the demand to to have a, a pro indoor meet? Now we did see that they're going to have four in Fayetteville in in January and February, but then that goes nowhere. Also, if you're a if you're an American pro right now, are you going to want to travel to Europe to get into an indoor meet? Is that going to be something that you'd you'd want to spend time and money and energy to do? So there might be indoor meets happening. You could go do the four in Arkansas. You're right. Uh, the only thing I could think of where this makes sense is if you're in a cold weather state and like it, like you live in Arkansas, right? Or you live in, in one of these places where you, there's not an uh, outdoor meet close by and you just want to get some race experience in, you, you hop in and, and do it. Or you're a field event athlete and it's just, it's yeah. tough to make it, it work with the events given. But yeah, distance or that top tier in, in sprints. I don't, I don't really see it happening, especially now that USA's is off. Yeah. Because there was a group of athletes that there was a group of athletes that would show up to USA's because it was USA's. That was just something yeah. that they were programmed to do. And a lot of other athletes take the complete opposite approach of, well, I'm not going to do USA indoors ever, or I'm not going to do USA indoors if there's no world indoors, or I'm going to be very cautious with this. But there is another, a smaller group of athletes who were really good athletes who were top three in the U.S., who would just show up to championships because they like to show up to championships. That was just programmed into them of, of I'm going to win as many U.S. championships as, as as possible. And that, I think, goes away. You know, without this meet, they don't have that incentive to keep racing indoors-wise. 
Yeah. I'm trying to think. The, also, I'm trying to think about, like, I mean, this is a problem with the sport in general is, like, the interest, right? Like, what's going to be the interest in watching a pro run an indoor meet, like, as a fan? Like, mm. you know there's nothing – because no, there's no story to tell because the stories would be, like, there's no indoor championships. There's no, like, world season to get ready for. get ready for. I mean – it just like I am. Just, it's kind of just like glorified, glorified practice, even more mm-hmm. because there's not there's nothing at the end of that, of that mm-hmm. trail, which would be a USA champs and then a world champs. Um, <clears throat> it's just gonna be weird. Like, imagine someone throwing, especially what if they're even t- choosing an event that doesn't even exist outdoors. Like, if they're running mm-hmm. like a sixty, a sixty hurdle or a weight throw, they're like, mm-hmm. hey. I, I improved my weight throw. It's like, what does that mean for the Olympics? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. 60. What does that mean for the Olympics? Nothing. I mean, because sure you could say, oh, it's, it's my start, and like, like someone like yeah. Grant Holloway, like, should he bother trying to like run a fast 60 hurdle or break the 60 hurdle world record? I mean, maybe because he could be like, oh, it's a world record, but he should be focused on like making sure I'm ready to go in these one tens, right? I don't know, but maybe well, that it would helps be him prepare for the one ten. So I don't, you know, that would be one of the few things. If you're asking me as a fan, what I would be interested in if there was an indoor season with the pros, and I'll limit this just to the United States. Holloway would well, be one person I'd be interested in because he'd be going off the world record in the sixty flat. I'd be interested in Bromel just to see if he's still on the same trajectory as he was last year. That would be fun. I'd like to see Brazier chase some records that could be entertaining because of just how good he is. And I still think he's got another level to go up indoors because pretty much everybody has another level to go up indoors based on how seriously you've taken it throughout your career on the women's side of things. Any sort of Bowerman race would be cool. I'd be interested in a Shelby versus Schweizer rematch over 3000 or maybe a 1500, um, 800, Maybe you know, maybe Aj Wilson. I'd like to see Raven Rogers in her first season with Pete Julian. That could be that could be interesting. But you're right, you're right. If you look at this from a fan's perspective, what are people really interested in seeing take place during these couple months versus what we'd rather just see them do outdoors? It, it's kind of off balance here. It's kind of really heavily weighted in the direction of outdoors. Yeah, really, the only races that are going to mean anything if they happen are going to be races that result in like a record or even like top five all time, like, or a standard, right? Donald Brazier, if they had a 5,000 yeah. yes. or of a standard. Yeah. But like if Donald Brazier goes out there and runs like a one fifteen six hundred, we're going to be like, okay, mm. cool. Yeah. You're good. You can do that. But if he goes out there and runs yeah. like one fourteen low, you'll be like, oh, oh, okay. You know? So it's just going to be one of those things where, watching just like good times will be pointless. You only are going to want to see great times or not run at all because there's no championship, right? Where championship adds that level of, they don't need to be great times for them to be interesting, you know, because there's a winner and a loser, but there's no winners and losers now. Literally. Yeah. No one is going to lose in indoors. They're just all going to be practicing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not only are there not any championships, but the traditional meets aren't there either. And if you talk about indoors, there's one meet I think of, and that's the Milrose games. 
that occupies that space as being a standalone, really important meet. And the Wanamaker Mile is is fun. People get up for the Wanamaker Mile, and it has this importance to it because it's historical, and they get a cool trophy afterwards. Even though, okay, you could say, well, the real goal is the Olympics and stuff. But if you're a track fan, yeah. a casual track fan who's t- tuning in, and you want to see Willis versus Centro again, it it feels important. Part twelve. For those, yeah. But for those four minutes, that race feels important because you're thinking, well, who's going to win the Wanamaker Mile? Is Willis going to get one, right? Or is Central going to do this? Or Engels is in there or whoever is racing. Maybe Ingerbritz is in there. But it feels like that title is is important in the same way pre-classic, winning the Bowerman Mile, that that race. There's this importance to it outside of a, a medal. And that's gone too because as much as if these one-off meets happen – Okay, well, Arkansas Series 1 mile champion does not carry <laughs> the same amount of importance as a Wanamaker mile champion. The tradition's not there. Yeah. Do you think we should uh, assist Nick Willis into breaking into the armory that February weekend of Milrose and just have him go out there to and find out it. what time the Wanamaker mile is going to start? <laughs> he just runs his own eight-lap race. And then he can finally yeah, yeah, say, yeah. I am the Wanamaker Mile champion. Because he's what? He's done how many times? He's just never won? Yeah, but that's a cool story, right? Yeah. That's a cool – and that's something that's something fun to track. And it seems we want to watch things when they care. We don't want to watch practice. We'll watch practice because some people, they're just – it's just cool to see what they can do even when they're going through the motions. But we want to watch when they're trying and when they care. Yeah. And people didn't want to show up losing. to that race. Yeah. They didn't want to show up and get embarrassed on on TV, right? In any event and in Milrose, particularly in the mid-distance races. Maybe some of the people in the shorter stuff or field events, they're just getting one event in because of contractual obligations, and then they the field is small so they can win and they go home. But the women's and men's mile fields were good enough to where you had to be in shape, and I don't think you wanted to show up there and get beat by 20 seconds in the mile. We saw it last year with the women. That is a historic mile race per year. Uh, Coco, uh, Gabrielle Debut Stafford, like these all-time performances indoors in that race. And that's I think that's because of the name behind it, because people want to run well at the Wanamaker Mile. Um, so it would have been those those things I think could have carried on even without a global championship. But now without USAs and without that meet, the indoor season obviously is going to be a shell of it of itself as we expected. I wanted to get your Opinion on a college topic. Oh, first of all, uh, we have a correction from last week's episode. Do you want to talk about our Iowa State correction? Oh, yeah. It's not Tanner Anderson, the UW Oregon guy. It's a different Tanner Anderson, who's an 800-meter runner. Ran 150. So uh, the extra point I gave him the 10K, we take that away. They're still going to win. They just, they're not. They're going to win with okay. one less point. So it's okay for those who listen to all the podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, thanks to Eric for pointing that out on on Twitter. I was gonna say, I don't know how much eligibility the other Tanner Anderson has. So, you know, we we have Iowa State now down to what fifty three points. Yeah, not a, you weren't really. counting on him. For, you yeah, you, you weren't counting on him for ten. So it's not a huge deal. But I want to ask you about the NCAA season because we have more and more conferences announcing when their cross country championships are going to be. And the range, Gordon, is wild. Obviously, we've had 
conference championships already happen in the SEC and ACC and Big 12. But then we have other ones that are going to take place on January 30th, for example, if you're the Big 10. If you're the Big East, it's March 5th. If If you're the the American Athletic Conference, it's February 6th. Yeah. Pac-12 is tentative. March 5th? I mean, all over the board here. All over the board here. February 27th. Yeah, it's like every weekend is a different conference meet, basically. February 15th is the Southland Conference. February 20th is the West Coast Conference with BYU-Portland. So, yeah, all over the place. And I guess what I'm interested in here is – or what I'm thinking with – as it pertains to the Big Ten, I'm thinking they knocked this out in January – then February, they can focus on indoors, and then they'll go back to cross-country. But this is an interesting test case in when is the appropriate time to run your penultimate cross-country race. Although it's gonna, the data is going to be skewed a little bit because if they're racing in, in indoor meets. But if, if they don't, if, if these cross-country runners are just focused primarily on cross-country, it'll be really interesting to see which teams thrive at nationals and which teams struggle, and if there's any correlation between when they decided to host their conference meet because there are not going to be regionals this will be for all intents and purposes probably their last cross-country meet um or is there an opportunity if you don't run well in your conference meet to then run another meet and like if you run big tens in january 30th and you don't run well are there any meets scheduled in february where you can run uh, can you well, have a mulligan? Can you get a view over? That might be the benefit, though, of having your conference a little bit earlier, right? Because then you know where mm-hmm. you stand. Because they're going to look at conferences, and you can know where you rank in your conference. And it's kind of a benefit for, like, the SEC, Big 12 teams, uh, ACC, because they know where they stand now. They know if they need to go and chase, go to an invitational. And I think Big Ten's probably thinking, hey, I mean, they probably weren't thinking this, but it actually works out for them okay, we will know where we stand on January 30th. Hey, we had a bad meet. We got third or fourth. Okay, that means we need to go out to this UNLV meet or a Florida meet and run really well there at this Invitational, right? Where teams that put in their conference championship the last weekend possible, like Pac-12 and Big East, they're putting all the marbles there. So if Stanford's like, all right, we're just going to go to pac Twelve and do well, you know, someone – messes up and trips and falls and you end up getting fifth as a team, well, there goes your shot to go to NCAAs where you did, you kind of decided not to take, you know, you just put all your marbles in that basket. I mean, that happens, that happened a few years ago with like Colorado. I know Mm. Mark Wetmore, he was always kind of like, this is how we do it. We do our local home meet. Then we go to pre-nats and then we go to, uh, regionals or uh, conferences and regionals, whatever, Conference. right? And they had this set, set up. He never chased points. And there was a season where the pre-nets that they were in was a weak pre-nets because everyone went to Wisco. So they didn't get any mm-hmm. points at pre-nets. Uh, Pac-12s, they didn't, like, I think they, it was like a good Pac-12 year or whatever. Anyway, they went into regionals where, like, if they would have gotten, like, they got fourth, but if they would have gotten like fifth, they probably wouldn't have made it. You know, it was like mm-hmm. they were like on the bubble. 
And this is a Colorado team that's like good. Like they can make it top yeah, yeah. 10 team. But getting fourth in the mountain region makes sense. Is an NAU, a BYU, you know, whatever. So this is going to be a similar situation where there might be overconfident teams where they're like, all right, we'll just do really well at our conference, smoke that, and then we're in. And then it might not work out, right? So it's going to be interesting, though. Literally every weekend is going to be a different conference championship, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also cool when they're all in the same weekend and in November and when uh, we normally have cross country. But, hey, I'll take weird winter cross country <laughs> over nothing, right? So, yeah, uh, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm really interested. Coaches still don't know what they're – I know we talked about this, but how they are organizing their distance athletes' efforts with – one, finding meets in indoor, and then two, yeah. deciding when and where to peak for and not peak. It's just going to be – it's going to be chaos. I think yeah. in a way, I think a lot of coaches are kind of just, let's just get through this crazy indoor cross country and then let's just start mm-hmm. having normal meets in April and then have this socially distanced outdoor championship, which mm-hmm. will be easy to do, you know, so. I think, I talk I think to one people coach. just like, let's just get to the finish line of outdoor and then we'll be all good. I talked to one coach last week and their sentiment echoed yours in terms of priorities of cross country. And then we'll see what happens with indoors was the feeling that they were expressing to me. Now that could be program specific, you know, based on overall needs of, of track and field and cross country. But it made a lot of sense of, hey, we know that there's at least going to be these cross-country meets, so we'll focus on them. And then whatever happens with indoors, we'll take that as a bonus. You know, And if we have specific athletes we think who can qualify, we'll try to get them in. But it is – nobody knows the right way to do this because it's never been done before and it's being put together as we speak. So even if you knew what – if you thought you had a confident – like if you were confident in your plan a month ago – well, the plan's probably changed because the opportunities have changed and opportunities keep changing. I kind of, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see the Big Ten's approach writ large because they're going to be the first one in the winter, right? The first one. And that's, it's coming up in what? I mean, it's three weeks, three weeks, Big Ten championships. But if you're someone like, you know, if you're a Wisconsin and you go, or Michigan, and you go and you knock it out of the park, they're not going to, keep out the big 10 champion from the NCAA championships. Yeah. So then you could just, so then you could just say, okay, we don't even need to bother with cross country anymore. We can put that one to bed. We've got our spot and we can focus on doing, doing indoor meets and staying in shape and staying ready for, for that big weekend in March. I, yeah, you're right. Having one every weekend is, is kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's uh it'll be good publicity for the, the smaller conferences. Like if you don't well, think also, coming back the individual, what, on, isn't the individual, sorry. No, I'm just going to say go. like Northeast conference Saturday, February 27th. If you don't think that Monday we're doing a full on one hour <laughs> pod dedicated to the Northeast conference championship, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Cause that's what we're doing. So I like this content. Yeah. And, and each one is a quality, like the winner gets to go to NCAAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like winning your conference is an auto bid for the individual champ. So it's kind of cool, right? It's like 
this big moment for especially smaller conferences where most likely they normally wouldn't send a winner to NCAAs. So, hey. Yeah. Well, and for the team, it's not the same for the team, correct? The team auto doesn't go, but you can be sure if you don't go, that you're, especially if you're in a non-Power 5 or even a – we need a name in cross-country, by the way. Can I go on another tangent here? Like, what, what, you know how they have the – the West Coast Conference – and Mountain West are essentially Power Five conferences, right? As it com- as it pertains to cross country. Yes. Okay. And if this was football or basketball, and there were two other, con- is there any other conferences like that? I guess the Big Sky just has NAU, so we can't we can't say the Big Sky. Well, no, the Big Sky has some has some people, right? Yeah, but for for the sake of it. The big sky okay, for the sake kind of, of also like the Iona conference, right? It's kind of like, okay, right. but like, but you agree, Mountain West really good, and West Coast Conference good and deep, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Yes. If that was the case, if you had two really good conferences in football and basketball that were holding them their own with the Power Five, there would be a name for those other two at this point. Like they wouldn't call them the Power Seven, but they'd say like the Power Five plus the the big two or something. Like we didn't name for those other two. I feel like we're being disrespectful to those conferences when we just say, oh, Power Five, Power Five, when West Coast Conference has Portland, BYU, San Francisco, like all these teams that have been really successful. Gonzaga, yeah. Gonzaga right? And and Mountain West, obviously, with New Mexico, Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State. Like they're, they're as good as these other conferences. I mean, should we call them the Power Seven just for the sake of cross country? I don't know. Is this important? Probably not, but I wanted to bring it up right now. Well, it's Big East in our Power Five. Big East is not part of the Power Five anymore, right? Right. It's not. But Big East, Villanova, Georgetown, Providence. Right. They so do they go in the other – so they they're, are they the other three? Yeah, so it's a Power Five plus three. The plus three? Yeah. Okay. In any event, I forgot what I was saying. Power um, eight. At the beginning, we should call it power eight. The power, the big eight. The um, eight great, big eight, the big eight. Great yeah. eight, big, isn't it? Great eight. Send us an email for what we should call it, and we will read them off the ideas. That's what we need. Send us an email what we should the, call the the reorganiz- the realignment of cross country power five, eight, six, whatever. Well, if there's anything that I want people to take away from this podcast today, is that we shouldn't be at the mercy of football. And because football has decided it's a power five, doesn't mean we need to make it, it the power five. And if there's these three other conferences that are just as good, you're right. Why are we taking their, their conventions? Why are we taking their verbiage? No, let's use our own, the elite eight. So here we go. Any event, I forgot what I was saying at the beginning of this rant. Um, so I'll kick it over to you for final thoughts on cross country <laughs> slash indoor <laughs> slash outdoor. I don't remember where I was. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Did any other news happen in the uh, in the world this past weekend? No. Did anyone else get dropped from their dropped from their sponsorship or re-sign or do anything interesting? Or we kind of I looked before we started. I did not see anything. That's why I wanted to spend a lot more time on the Northeast preview. But um, what about what meets are what meets are on tap for this coming week? Ooh, yeah. I mean, we we could probably save this for our next two pods. But we do have – this next weekend, there's going to be legitimate meets. I mean, 
There's a meet live on Flow, the Virginia Showcase. We have that, which would be a big high school okay. meet. But then there's the Clemson Invitational, Virginia Tech Invitational, Arkansas Invite, the Corky Classic, and the Ted Nelson Invitational, which is in Texas A&M meet. So basically uh, the Power Five <laughs> type teams are no. hosting five, five different meets, and there might be a few others. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. That's when people are going to start running fast from these bigger – schools um mm -hmm. and we'll start seeing who is who what people have i mean it's just crazy it's january 11th and like oregon track and field doesn't even have a schedule on their website mm -hmm. right like nau doesn't have a schedule what? on the website like all these teams they don't have schedules it's just like it's just, it's just so crazy well that's weird because oregon is scheduled for the 28th and 29th in Fayetteville at the Razorback invite. That's written down in the yeah, Arkansas release. I think Oregon's probably waiting to find out about the Washington meets, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. they're still waiting on that. Probably Stanford is waiting on that, too. Um, yeah. I think the well, Washington Stanford's meets are going to become – I think the Washington meets are going to become a – if you think you can make NCAA meet. <laughs> it's like if you think you can run 1340, you can come. If you think you can yeah. run fifteen forty, you can come. I think that's what's going to be. I've heard they're going to be. I've heard they're going to be super duper small if they happen. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the only thing I know. This yeah. So this weekend's Arkansas meet Arkansas Arkansas State Central Arkansas Oklahoma Arkansas Pine Bluff and Arkansas Little Rock. So basically, the entire state of Arkansas plus Oklahoma will be at that meet. But then they're going to branch out a little bit the week after that with a Woo Pig Classic and get Kentucky, LSU, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, USC, and Texas involved. That's a good meet. That's a good meet. It is. If this is the future of indoor track, that's a good structure to follow. Like these power five teams. Yeah, that's I mean, what there they, needs to the be elite eight teams, though. There the needs to be elite eight teams. That way. The power five is more than happy to not let NAU and BYU into their meets because they well, will not let a random Indiana State kid into their meet. That's what they want. And the pandemic has given them what they want. <laughs> it's just interesting to see those team, and I'm guessing they're going to be traveling as full teams. I just, I'd like to do, do away with. I'd like to we get to a point where there's the incentives are gone to send your team to three different meets on a weekend. That's and I get, I understand 100% why coaches are doing it. And if I was in the position, I would do the same thing. That's why I'm saying I want to get rid of the incentive to do it. I don't begrudge anybody for doing it, but that's what I would like to to see in the future. And if all these teams are going to this meet with full rosters or as big of rosters as they are allowed to travel with at this current moment, I think that's kind of cool because you're seeing basically, I mean, seven teams, eight teams, that's a good number for a meet. I think, I think a two team duel is, is too few. I think you could probably get away with four depending on how deep people are in different events and and have it still be interesting but seven eight you're going to get good good coverage on and you're allowing you know a couple people if you want to do it you know two heats and everything like that for the sprints you're allowing every team to get a couple entrants in there and you're making sure that all the events are probably going to be pretty dang good so i'm uh I, i'm yeah i'm interested for that Woo pig classic of course i'll turn into the results from the arkansas invite to see who is the king of arkansas and the queen of arkansas i think that's what's going to be the big takeaway from that one you're really leaning into these Arkansas slate. You know, that's what you're most excited about, I can tell. What else is there to lean into? What should I be leaning into? I don't know. You said well, Clemson, we'll probably, right? 
Yeah, Clemson. Clemson good. I mean, Texas Tech is having a meet. Texas A&M meets are going to be good. I mean, but okay. we'll probably lean into the meet that's live on Flowtrack. We, we should probably promote our own meet, right? The Virginia Showcase. See some fast high school action. That's high school. Yeah, yeah. You had a mouse split for all the coverage there. That'll be fun. But, but it's no, live I, on Flowtrack. Yeah. So we got we to gotta cover it ourselves, man. I know. <laughs> 100%. That's what I'll be tuned into. That's what I'll be tuning into um, this weekend. A hundred percent. No, I I just think you're right. So we do we know who's it? Do we know who's it? Like the tech meet and the Clemson meet? Not right now. We'll probably find out. Okay. What Thursday or Friday? Because you know our self sport works. It's like hey, we'll tell people who's running like two minutes before. So yeah, get people. That's why you can do. That's why you can do three previews to a meet because you don't actually know who's competing. So you do the big overview, then you zoom in, yeah. and then you do the one where half the field scratches. That's that's how it yep. usually works. Yep. All right. We'll leave oh, it there. Man, yeah, my alarm's going off again. So right. you can probably hear that. Yeah. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Talk to you guys next week or Monday or Friday or Wednesday. See ya.